Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 201 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, it is 2022, a brand new year. It is the fifth year of the Sample Chapter Podcast, and we're kicking the year off with a fantastic episode. Uh, Today's guest is Emily Kimmelman. Emily writes edge-of-your-seat thrillers with a wealth of books under her so far. She's known for her Sydney Rye mystery series. Uh, We are going to be talking about that series, where Sydney came from, uh, why animals are so prevalent in her books. We're talking about writing into the dark and characters that tell us the story. This and so much more is coming up here very, very soon, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss a single bit of it. It is a great conversation, and so good to talk to an author again. Because as you saw, I <laughs> well, you may or may not have seen, it just depends. Uh, I took a little break there. Unannounced, I uh, didn't post anything, didn't say anything. Actually, I was pretty disconnected there for almost a month, I think. And, you know, that was kind of nice for me to just take some time away, do my own thing. Um, I didn't even do a whole lot of writing during that time, which probably should have done some more writing. But, you know, it was it was a nice break to just do my own thing, uh, focus some more on my rehab uh, after the knee surgery, and uh, just spending time with the family. Uh, we had a great Christmas. We had a great New Year's. Um, actually, it was my first time that my wife and I had New Year's all to ourselves. Uh, our youngest, who's still living at home, went out with friends. So my wife and I, we actually, I got home after work. Uh, we put in a little workout, showered, got changed into our Cobra Kai <laughs> t-shirts. And once our uh, party food was ready, then she and I got cozy on the couch and uh, binged Cobra Kai for the evening. And that's how we spent our New Year's. And you know what? It was a blast. It was a lot of fun for us. We we had a really good time. Uh, I you know, make sure you guys uh, reach out to me. Tell me about your New Year's, what you did, how it uh, how it went for you. And uh, did you have any big plans or did you stay in and do something casual like I did? Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I didn't announce that break. So I apologize for anyone who is looking forward to the next episode. It, it wasn't really intended to be that way. Like I said, uh, I just kind of took some time and then uh, all of a sudden I didn't have another episode because uh, the author I was going to talk to, uh, well, things happened and, uh, it just didn't work out. And then after that, we're just like, you know what? We're going to take a break. Anyway, it's nice to be back. I've got some, uh, decorations here in the office. <laughs> I, I wish I could show you pictures. I, uh, one of the things I had intended to do actually was working out here in the studio and, uh, putting up some of this stuff like my new on the air sign that my, my daughter got me, but I don't have it up yet. I just have it sitting right here on my desk and lit up and, that's pretty cool. I, I feel very, so professional now because <laughs> it's it says on the air. Uh, but uh, yeah, here sometime soon I'll uh, I'll get that mounted outside my office door and I'll I'll post a picture of it for you once uh, once that's ready to go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's been good. I mean, it's nice. Uh, I had a oh my gosh, I had such a good time talking to Emily and uh, talking to an author again. It's been a little while since I've spoken to an author and. Uh, Got to just talk author stuff and talk about story and 
and uh, it was it was a really good chat. And uh, you know, you, as I said, you're going to love this conversation. It's 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 really good and uh, very informative, very interesting to hear Emily's uh, path and her process, how she writes. And it was good for me as well to uh, you know more than just getting to talk to an author, but uh, it was good to uh, to kind of you know shake out the cobwebs and uh, get things going once again on this show because we've got big plans for this year. I got big plans and I'm looking forward to to doing some things uh, with it here real soon. I've got a lot of emails sitting in the uh, inbox waiting for me to respond to several that I have and uh, oh my gosh so many more that I have not responded to yet. So uh, if you have not heard back from me Make sure you send me a new email. Just refresh my inbox. Tell me, hey, I'm checking back in again. I, I heard you asking. So, you know, don't be afraid to uh, ask again. Because uh, once it gets so far behind, I just kind of, you know, I've got to move on. I've got an, uh, so many emails per week that I've got to respond to. And, and that's what I intend to do going forward is to stay on top of this a little bit better. Well, like I said, this show is going on its fifth year now. And in that time, I've had now, uh, gosh, two years, three years with a, a very special sponsor, which is Scrivener. They're my favorite writing software. Uh, I use them, well, <laughs> every day except for lately, uh, whenever I write. And uh, I, I guess the correct way to put that is I use it every time I write. I just haven't written much lately. <laughs> but when I'm doing good, I write every day. And every day that I write, I use Scrivener. Uh, from the amazing corkboard and getting to move chapters around uh, to building your character bios and uh, story bible, in fact. All that is so amazing. Hey, check out this advertisement and find out how you can save 20% on the desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you once again to Scrivener. I also want to thank Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, they are an affiliate of the show, or rather, I am an affiliate of them. So any, if you click the link in the show notes, you go on over to my link for the website, and you make an order, then I get a little piece of something. A little piece of that order comes to the show, and then that goes towards things like this brand new microphone that we're uh, we're using, uh, hosting, and uh, website, you know, website hosting, and our website, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, Writer's Block Coffee, they have three delicious flavors. There's the Writer's Block uh, Signature Blend, the Deadline Dark, sure to keep you up at any hour, and my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. You can order one at a time or grab, get the uh, or get yourself set up with the monthly auto ship. Uh, and, you know, check out some of the extras that they have in there. They got a really cool scoop 
that's also a coffee clip. So that way you can clip the end of the coffee and keep it fresh. And then whenever you're ready to go, you get your scoop right there. You're no more looking through the drawer trying to find it. I've already picked up one of those as well. And I think I'm going to order another one just because they're so handy to have. I need one at work. Hey, uh, like I said, don't forget to click that link in the show notes to find out more and to uh, check out some of those coffee flavors for yourself. I also want to thank podcast network friend uh, Pop Goes the Culture Network. Uh, we're very happy to be a part of that network. Been a part of them for, oh gosh, three years now? Like as, as long or longer than Scrivener. They are home to at least half a dozen different pop culture related shows. Whether you're looking for the latest in movie news, uh, comic books, wrestling, uh, all kinds of really cool stuff, anything pop culture related, you're going to find it right there. And uh, what's uh, here I mentioned last time on episode 200, I was actually a guest on the uh, flagship show, Pop Goes to Culture podcast. Uh, Joey Mills interviewed me. We talked about my uh, my books and uh, my most recent one, Bandit Rising. And that was a blast. We had a really good time talking, and, and uh, Joey was just, he's, he's a very good interviewer. Uh, much better than I am, I think. <laughs> but you be the judge. Go ahead and uh, click on over there, and you can find that interview. It, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. All right, well, hey, look, everyone, I think uh, that's enough of me, John. It's time to get on over to our interview. We're going to be hearing from today's guest, Emily Kimmelman. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 201 of the Sample Chapter podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, we have a very special guest today from out of New York. Uh, we are talking with Emily Kimmelman. Uh, Emily is the author of the Sydney Rye Mystery Series. Uh, the series is up to 14 books so far, with book 15 coming out soon. Uh, they're thriller mysteries, and they are to die for. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Emily Kimmelman. <laughs> thank you very much it's a lovely introduction <laughs> thank you i actually meant to say she writes because she likes to read uh but she has specific tastes so let's find <laughs> out some more about that <laughs> yes that's that's very true i'm a picky reader um, although i read voraciously i i'm a style reader more mm -hmm. than a genre reader so for me it's about the characters feeling real the sentence structure being you know good uh, too much passive voice makes me crazy I can't I just can't with it <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that you know that's it's just like a style thing it's like a personal preference um, it's not a judgment thing it's not like that's wrong or bad it's just not what I like mm -hmm. um, and my friend Jamie Davis uh, who's also my business manager always says that um, not every book is for every reader but there's a reader for every book. And so just because like you don't that. like the book you're reading doesn't mean it's a bad book, just means it's not for you. Mm -hmm. um, and the beauty of self-publishing and indie publishing and kind of the era we're in right now is that so many people are publishing books that it's, you know, you can always find one that you like. Um, and that's very true. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. And I, and I, I think it, it's interesting you were talking about reading the style because I, I think I've, mm -hmm. I've got authors, like I try to read very widely. And mm -hmm. that's something that the show helps me with is I, I'm finding mm. new authors every week. Um, mm -hmm. So I read lots of different stuff. And, uh, but I do have certain ones that stand out to me. I think it's maybe it's the characters and, and mm -hmm. the way the characters are coming across to me. Like, oh, I like this. This is, this is cool. I'm digging it kind of a thing. So yeah, that, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I need them to feel real to me. And it's not necessarily that I have to like them per se, but mm -hmm. it's got to be someone I'm going to root for. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, you know, we don't have to have the same ideologies. We don't have to have the same life in any way, but there has to be kind of some sort of connection to that character. That's the same way with any person you meet, that it's not, you can't necessarily put your finger on what it is about them that mm -hmm. makes you want to spend time with them. But I have to want to spend time with the characters in the book. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. So, and it's, and it doesn't even have to be, it's funny. I say, I want it to feel real as well, mm -hmm. but they don't have to be real. So like the character yeah. could be a werewolf. Sure. I, I love I a werewolf. I, yeah. If I de <laughs> identify with what some of the things they're going through, I mean, not that I eat people, but if I can right. identify with, we hope not. They're going through, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, then I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I got it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I love urban fantasy. Um, that's definitely, I, I also write an urban fantasy under a pen name, Emily Reed. Um, and I, I love romantic comedy. I love all, you know, I love literary fiction. I basically love every genre um, and just base, follow my, my tastes and I'll, I'll pick up anything. Uh, and yeah. if it if I if I like the first sentence, I'll keep going. But I also am very happy to put a book down. I think in my younger years, I had this idea that like once you started, you had to finish. And I don't know where I got that from, but I'm over it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> life is too short. If you don't like the book, just put it down, walk away. Um, and you see that in one star reviews. I had to force myself to finish this. No, you didn't. You didn't have to force yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no need to do that, people. <laughs> Don't force yourself to finish books. Life's too short. Enjoy your time. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree, and I've I've kind of I used to do that. I used to force myself mm -hmm. to finish something just to think like, well, let me see. I, I think there's still parts of me that it's if there's there's something going on where I'm intrigued to like, oh, are they going to pull it off? Like I'm not really enjoying yes. it, but I'm intrigued to see if they're going to pull it off and. And I'll, yes. so I'll finish those, but I have, I've have been a little more picky lately where it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to finish this. This is, is yeah. this as far as I'm going. Yeah. It's just unnecessary to finish something. I mean, you know, if something, if you're still curious what's happening, that's a, a sign of someone who writes with excellent narrative drive, mm -hmm. which is really like the ultimate thing in a book. Um, you know, for yeah. all I say about sentence structure and liking characters, if the author can do narrative drive and just keeps you guessing, then that's always going to kind of win even if you don't like the characters you don't like the sentences um narrative drive uh when done well is kind of a it's you know it's obviously a part of the art form um but like 50 shades of gray has narrative drive um twilight mm -hmm. has incredible narrative drive um and they don't have a lot of the other things that i like in books but mm -hmm. they have narrative drive yeah yeah and and i don't i don't know about you but like i will review everything that i do read and I'll make sure to mention like, look, I, this was kind of a slog to get through, but I mm -hmm. wanted to know, I, I needed to know what was going to happen to this character. And, right. and I, I, I would hope that the author will like appreciate that part of like, okay, well, you know what I got, I got the reader's attention enough to get mm -hmm. them through the book. And, you know, they may, you know, maybe I'll, it's pretty rare for me to do a three star. I'll probably do like a four star. I'm like, eh, you know, but yeah, still, you know, I'll give them. I'll let them know like, yeah, it, 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 I had a hard time getting through it, but I did. Yeah. And yeah, right. this was interesting. I actually don't uh, review books. I mean, I review them in my own head, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> then share that with the populace. Um, I've tried to sit down and review books before, and I just have nothing that I find interesting to say. So I'm like, I'm like, I liked it. 
I didn't like it. I'm like, wow, that's you're helping people. Not at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I basically don't even uh, I don't try anymore. Um, and I don't read my own reviews either. Oh, I don't look at them. Um, I appreciate them for the record. I highly, highly appreciate people who write reviews. Um, and I have a review team and it is uh, I I read other people's reviews when deciding what to read. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't review and I don't read my own reviews and that's for my mental health. Um, no, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it definitely, I don't know. They don't bother me so much right now, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't have 2,600 reviews like book right. one of Sydney Rye has. Right. You know, it, for me, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm up to 17, right. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm still laughing if somebody says something negative. I'm like, oh, all right, that's funny. But, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely, I read them for a long time and I still will, um, you know, I have an advanced reader team and I will read their reviews mm -hmm. um, in part because these are my core readers. And if I'm, if I've done something they don't like, I want to know um, because they're going to reveal something to me about the book that I didn't necessarily recognize. But um, for Unleashed, I haven't looked at the reviews on Unleashed in a really long time, but I have used my reviews in order to create warnings for my books. So on every single book, I say, if you don't like the F-bomb, if you don't like strong language, if you don't like sex out of wedlock, not graphic, but, and totally consensual, but out of wedlock, you know, if you have problem with LGBTQ plus characters, these are not the books for you. Mm -hmm. So those are what I got slammed for with one star reviews. Um, people, you know, basically saying I was trash and that the F-bomb <laughs> makes me a terrible writer. And I was like, okay, so people who don't like these things just need to not read my books or follow me on Facebook or like, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be hanging out together. So I've put those warnings. It's on every single Facebook post, um, every single ad I run and every single one of my descriptions has a mm. warning on it. Yeah. But I mean, and I, I used to, yeah. Well, I was gonna, just going to say, but I mean, from, from what I can tell, I mean, it's not like you're, you're writing it willy-nilly and just throwing the words in there to say it, you know, like somebody from, uh, no. well, whatever part of a country where, of, of the country where this is just how they talk, uh, there's a reason for it. And, yes. and, and I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate when the authors, like yourself, are putting, you know, whether it's sex or violence or language, uh, that, you know, this character is doing it for a purpose and there's a, there's a reason behind that. So that's, mm -hmm. and that, I, I find that, uh, fascinating and, and uh, good. <laughs> right. And so that's, you're the right reader for me, whereas there's lots of people who don't like that and they're not the right readers. <laughs> and that's, but that's, I mean, that's why I even appreciate people who leave one star reviews because it does let other people know that like, if you, there are people who the F-bomb is to them kind of the worst thing that could happen to them. Mm -hmm. If they're reading on a page and that word appears, it's, it feels like a shock to them. And I don't want to do that to people. You know, I write books <laughs> to entertain people. And so like, I want to keep you up all night. I want your sink full of dirty dishes. You know, I am trying to ruin your life, but I'm not trying to do it in a negative way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want you to be having so much fun and be so wrapped up in the story that, you know, maybe you're late for work, but I don't want people to be upset by yeah. words on the page if that's something that upsets them. Um, it's just not my purpose. So I'm happy to leave warnings everywhere about that. And I, I would say that I did not know that people felt so strongly about that word or, I mean, I guess I knew, but I hadn't been kind of told, um, you know, in such uncertain terms or such certain terms before, you know, people just really get upset by it. 
it's, still it's, force uh... themselves to finish the book though which i don't get that <laughs> it's a it's an interesting <laughs> conundrum like I, you know i'm just thinking about myself like that that is like among some words i don't try to curse all the time i kind of reserve mm -hmm. it for situations where it's necessary mm -hmm. uh but when writing i get characters that curse like sailors yeah and you know i don't mind watching movies where like you know uh, it, where it's going on that's going on in the background or you know this character talks that yeah. way um i get a little uncomfortable when every character is throwing it out there like crazy like ah, i don't know if i want to watch the rest of this uh because if it does if it doesn't make sense to me it's probably just not my story it's, it's just not right but, and it yeah. goes back to the idea that the character needs to feel real and someone you want to spend time with yeah Yep. It's that same thing. And so, I mean, I personally do drop the F-bomb like it's hot. Um, I <laughs> drop it all the time. It's one of my favorite words. And I mean, I'm not going to do it on this podcast. I can control myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly, you know, moderate how much I drop it, depending on who I'm talking to, to a sure. degree. Yeah. Um, but it's very much a part of my lexicon. And that's why it's in my books. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's perfectly acceptable not to want to hear it. It's like, we don't, you know, and and so I would say my one-star reviews early on, I had so many one-star reviews that complained about it. That, and as soon as I started putting the warnings on, you know, it really dropped off. Mm. And um, and people will comment on my ads, thank you for that warning. I really mm -hmm. hate the F-bomb. And I'm like, well, you know, you're welcome. Yeah. So, you know, I think that warnings on, and a lot of people are like, I love the F-bomb, can't wait to start this book. And I'm like, see? <laughs> there you, you go. Know? You're finding the right readers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting tactic. <laughs> yeah. I also put on every single one of my book descriptions and on every single ad and everything, the dog does not die. Because one <laughs> of the main characters in my book is a dog and people are terrified that he will die. And the dog does not die. Blue does not die. He will never die. This is on like every single, it's everywhere. <laughs> I put it everywhere. Um, and it's because I know that so many people have that fear. I would say more people are afraid of the dog dying than of the F-bomb. Oh, so, that's funny. Yeah, it's actually the number one. It's P.S. the dog does not die is at the end of every description of all my books. <laughs> I, guess, you know, I guess I could see that. I could see that. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> oh, and the, there'll be long conversations on my Facebook posts of like, oh, thank you for saying that. I hate it when the dog dies. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And everyone's like, kill all the humans. We don't care, but the dog has to live. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's none, what I do. <laughs> none of the human characters are safe, but the dog must live. No, no, I do. <laughs> none of them are safe. We kill <laughs> beloved characters all the time around here, as long as they're human. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about Sydney Rye. Uh, where, where did she come from? So Sydney Rye in the, in the first book, Unleashed, is a dog walker in Manhattan. And uh, that's basically because I was a dog walker in Manhattan. And mm. it's a really weird job because you go into all these people's homes and you've never met them, but you know their dogs and you know their house. And it's just this very, and there's, you know, there's this whole ecosystem in Manhattan of people who work in these buildings and kind of this, this um, community of people who know so much about the people they work for and the people they work for you know wouldn't even recognize them on the street necessarily mm -hmm. and so I had decided I was going to be a writer I wanted to write mystery novels I knew that and then when I had this job I was like oh this is kind of the perfect amateur sleuth kind of <laughs> position to be in 
Yeah. And obviously a dog can find a dead body and this is all just brilliant. And so I started writing it. And um, so in the first book, she's a dog walker. And by the end of it, she's a fugitive on the run. And uh, I don't want to give away too many spoilers here, but you know, then, so basically I didn't know that was going to happen. We were discussing before we started recording about how I don't outline, but I did outline for Mm -hmm. Unleashed. I attempted to outline um, is what I should really say. And uh, then when I finally released the outline, kind of the end of the book came to me in a dream and it wasn't what I was expecting. And I had no idea that's what it was going to be. And it's really the catalyst for the rest of the series. where she's kind of a vigilante on the run with her dog um, exacting justice around the globe. And so <clears throat> each book, most of them take place in a different country. And I kind of take a different um, topic, a different injustice and explore it. And, you know, the kind of the James Bond thing where you, you take a very complex issue and boil it down into one person and then kill that person so the end of the book you feel really good (laughs) you know you haven't solved the problem on the complex level but um but you know like a james bond movie you've you've solved it in that moment and everyone feels great at the end there you go yeah you you cut the head of the snake and Mm -hmm. all your problems go away exactly yeah um (laughs) I mean, obviously, there's another book coming, so not all the problems are gone, but, you know, that one bad guy has been defeated. Um, And I'm I'm amazed, like you said, we were talking before we started about how you write into the dark with each of these. So you've got this series going with book 15 coming soon, mm -hmm. and you don't know what's happening next. Um, You got a Bible going now, so you can keep track of past things. And so what might, you know, of course, you know, if you know the past, you know what might happen in the future or it helps you build the future anyway but yeah each book you're just kind of like all right so in this book i mean do you know where she's gonna be or well it picks idea? off where so each of my books i you know solve the mystery of that book and mm-hmm. then there's kind of the very end has like an, a hint to here's what's the next adventure so it's not a cliffhanger in the sense that like we do solve the mystery but it is like get excited because something else great is coming and so i know the beginning as in like I know where we left off so I know where I start mm-hmm. um and I basically just climb into my character's head and look around and start describing things and just start going and she leads the way and if I get stuck and can't hear what's happening I get up and I walk around I'll do some yoga maybe take a walk with my dog and the ideas will come that I run back to my computer and start typing again mm. I love that yeah and I, I also that. will write out of order so I'll, a scene will come to me and I'll just write that scene. And I don't know where it is in the book. I don't know, you know, oh, yeah. and then I can kind of, and then the pieces between the scenes I have start kind of filling in with other scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of a book, I'm always kind of amazed. I'm like, wow, it's, that's all, we got them all. We have all the scenes, look at that, <laughs> the book's done. <laughs> and it makes sense. Wow, good job, brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. I, you know, and there's, there's not a lot of authors I've talked to who will do that. I, I did that with my first book where I would write things out of order because it's just another scene was just haunting me. I had to get it down. And uh, so I, that's what I would do. I was like, okay, here's like possibly the ending. Uh, here's this other mm-hmm. scene from there. Okay, now let me go back to the beginning and uh, pick up about a third of the way through and, and continue from there, see how I can get to this middle. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's nuts, but it was so cool how it came together though. 
And it's, for me, it's really fun because I don't know what's going to happen. So it kind of mimics the experience of reading. And the reason I started writing was because I, I wanted to read. Um, you know, we were discussing earlier, I don't write reviews. Um, so I didn't want to be an editor. I didn't want to be a reviewer. I literally just wanted to read books, but no one pays you for that, mm. to my knowledge. Um, <laughs> you, you can't just read the book, put it down, be like, enjoyed myself and pick up another one. So I basically started writing books so that I could have that experience of just reading books, but mm -hmm. also it's a livelihood. Um, and so that's, the, so that's one of the reasons I do it without an outline now is because it does give me that kind of thrill. Like I'll be writing a scene and I don't know where it's going. And then the twist happens. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Now did, uh, was was the dog intentional from the beginning? I know that's that's it yes. got kicked off because of your dog walking. Um, so yeah, I so the dog Blue, who's in the book, is based off a dog I had who was named Nova, who oh. was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> the Blue is a real hero, and uh, an incredibly well trained. You know, not in the beginning, but he becomes incredibly well trained and kind of. And the dog I had physically looks like Blue, but um, was really just a, a mess of a dog I loved him to death but he was he was not um he was not as sound as blue as he was you know I adopted him as older and he really didn't like kids he was just kind of a, <laughs> a semi-dangerous beast I would say um, but adored me it was very protective of me and um I used to have to walk him late at night because basically he was so afraid of people so I would walk him at midnight one in the morning in Brooklyn which is where I was living at the time and um, and think about stories. And so he really just melded right into the stories because he was with me. Um, and it was very safe to walk with him because he was a giant, I mean, like gigantic part wolf, part husky. <laughs> no one was going to mess with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love that. I love that. How yeah. whenever we can bring uh, real life things into our writing, and even though we may embellish a little bit, uh, that's, yeah. that's really sweet. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a great dog. <laughs> so we were talking about how um, Sydney Rye, you've got uh, the 15th book is coming out soon. Do you have an end in sight or uh, are you plan on riding the wave as long as you can? Um, yeah, I plan on writing for as long as the characters keep talking. Um, you know, and the thing is, I think when if the series ends, it'll be because the characters will be like, and that's the end. And I'll be like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, got it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't see that coming. I, there's also a whole cast of characters now who, over the course of the 14 books, so the first eight books are just in Sydney Rye's point of view, and then nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen have multiple points of view. Um, so characters we've met over the eight books and fallen in love with over the eight books get to have a voice in the later books, which helps keep them fresh. Um, but actually this one that I'm writing now, the 15th is going to be again, all Sydney Rye. Okay. So, um, and that's, she explained that at the very beginning of the book, there were going to be no other characters point of views. And I was like, okay, that's fun. Um, <laughs> so, but that allows me the fact that I can, if, you know, if Sydney's voice is becoming too much, we can kind of dip into these other characters' heads um, to kind of bring new depth to the series. Yeah, and, and I think that's fun. I mean, because it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like, I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like Jack Reacher, but you're not only writing Sydney Rye. You've got other things that you write as well that you ghostwrite mm -hmm. and, and such. 
do you think mm -hmm. that kind of helps cleanse the palate and brings you back to Sydney or? To, yes, yeah. because the Sydney books are, as I said, they kind of deal with different injustices. And so they're intense. Um, mm. And I do a lot of research for them. And the research can be intense and depressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I try not to be, the books obviously are not depressing. They're certainly not meant to be depressing. They're meant to be, you know, kind of wild adventures. Um, but, but that also make you think about these things and then make you feel good about how Sydney managed to solve that problem. Um, but, but, you know, the research can be intense. And um, I really try and get my characters right. I really try and make sure that I have an understanding of the topics that I'm exploring. And so I write urban fantasy as a kind of way to be in a world that has no rules. Um, there's no research necessary for you know, a werewolf. You can't call up a werewolf and be like, well, what's it like to be you? You know? <laughs> um, this is true. So it kind of gives me a freedom to be like, oh, I just, you know, it can be anything. I'm, I'm not dealing with real people's lives. I'm not dealing with actual issues. Um, I'm, because I think it's important the Sydney Rye series to represent these issues, obviously not perfectly real. We're talking about an action adventure series, a thriller series, things are gonna be simplified, but uh, I do wanna get it right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's work, whereas urban fantasy, the only thing I have to get right there is the characters and they just show up and I just follow them. And so it's just, it's an easier, easier to do. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and, and I cleanses the palate. Yeah. <laughs> and I can appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not worried about every detail being correct, but I got to get enough right. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. way it's, it's coming across um, understandable and people can, mm -hmm get what's being told and maybe even learn something along the way mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i mean i personally like to learn stuff when i read so oh, that's yeah. one of the things that um that drew me to writing something like the sydney rise series in the first place that's awesome that's awesome mm -hmm. well so now when does a uh, windows book 15 come out well, I don't have a pre-order date yet. I'm still writing it. And um, oh, okay. 2020 taught me not to set pre-order dates until you finish the book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because no. you just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, I tell people to follow me on Facebook, join my newsletter. We will announce it as soon as we have a pre-order, but we don't announce pre-orders until my job with the book is done. So in case, for example, suddenly I have two children living at home full time and can't leave my house that's okay. <laughs> the book can still get done. <laughs> Perfect. Well, where can people find and follow you so that way they'll know where to find all these so books? And, uh, and my, the yeah, my website, emilykimmelman.com and uh, Kimmelman is K-I-M-E-L-M-A-N. And on there, you can see all my books. You can sign up for my newsletter and there's links to all my social. Outstanding. All right. And yeah, we're going to have links to that in the show notes so that everybody knows where to go. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a blast for me. It's been a little while since I've talked to anyone in, in the writing world. I just kind of took some time off for myself throughout the holidays. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm getting to talk to an author again today. I'm so excited. <laughs> so. <laughs> it was really fun for me too. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee. And uh, we're going to check out this chapter from Emily Kimmelman and book one of the Sydney Ryan Mysteries unleashed chapter one blue my dog once took a bullet that was intended for me a bullet that ripped through his chest 
narrowly missing his heart and exited through his shoulder blade, effectively shattering it. This left him unconscious on the floor of my home. Amazingly, this bullet did not kill him. 10 years ago, I adopted Blue as a present to myself after I broke up with my boyfriend one hot early summer night, the windows open and the neighborhood listening. The next morning, I went straight to the pound in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Articles on buying your first dog tell you never to buy a dog on impulse. They want you to be prepared for this new member of your family to understand the responsibilities and challenges of owning a dog. Going to the pound because you need something in your life that's worth holding on to is rarely, if ever, mentioned. I asked the man at the pound to show me the biggest dogs they had. He showed me some seven-week-old Rottweiler German Shepherd puppies that he said would grow to be quite large. Then he showed me a six-month-old Shepherd that would get pretty big. Then he showed me Blue, the largest dog they had. The man called him a collie mix, and he was stuffed into the biggest cage they had, but he didn't fit. He was as tall as a Great Dane, but skinnier, with the snout of a collie, the markings of a Siberian husky, the ears and tail of a shepherd, and the body of a wolf, with one blue eye and one brown. Crouched in a sitting position, unable to lie down, unable to sit all the way up, he looked at me from between the bars, and I fell in love. He's still underweight, the man in the blue scrubs told me as we looked at Blue. I'll tell you, lady, he's pretty, but he's skittish. He sheds, and I mean sheds. I don't think you want this dog. But I knew I wanted him. I knew I had to have him. He was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Blue cost me $108. I brought him home, and we lived together for 10 years. He was, for most of our relationship, my only companion. But when I first met Blue, a lifetime ago now, I had friends and family. I worked at a shitty coffee house. I was young and lost. I was normal. Back then, at the beginning of this story, before I'd ever seen a corpse, before Blue saved my life, before I felt what it was like to kill someone in cold blood, I was still Joy Helmut. I'd never even heard the name Sydney Rye. All right, that was Emily Kimmelman reading a sample chapter from book one of the Sydney Rye mystery series, Unleashed. It is available right now. It has a wealth of reviews online, uh, very positive reviews, and the, the series itself is doing fantastic so make sure you go in there and uh, find and follow her with the links i got in the show notes and uh, pick up a copy of these books for yourself don't forget to also click the links for our podcast friends affiliate and sponsors and definitely don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when we're back yes indeed again with episode 202 and a brand new author a new book and an all new sample chapter Take care, everyone. We'll see you again soon.